Hey, God is good. And all the time. Amen, amen. Last week I shared with you about the Ukraine, the different works that we're doing. We got some reports in and some pictures also. So you're going to put them up on the screen as I'm re reading this. This one's from uh, Doulos Global, which is uh, Reverend Bob and Gail Buse. Here are a few reports from those on the front line helping the, refugee, the Romanian refugees today. Doulos Global has received over $20,000 in relief. 13,000 plus, which has already been sent. The rest is on its way to 10 different ministries we are helping. Thank you for your amazing generosity. Here's some of the reports. From Ovi Starlitsi in Romania, we are working on many areas here. First, we are helping with water, food, diapers in the border area. Soon as refugees get in Romania, we have people to help them there. Below is a list. Below is our last van full of things. I think you just saw that. In the same time, we helped the churches in the border area that stopped having meetings and are using their buildings as shelters. We have in the Blasso area two shelters with 75 kids and 38 adults from Ukraine. We have to provide them with everything they need because they had to rush out and leave empty-handed. From Reinhard and Darcy Nufu in Romania, your donations have not only been provided for the refugees coming into the Rasa Family Center, but now you have even touched some of the people still left back in Ukraine. The store shelves are completely empty there, and the needs are so great. Reinhard and Darcy have connected with a church just over the border in rainy Ukraine that is taking in and feeding refugees, the elderly and those who cannot leave the country. Yesterday, Reinhard and Terrence went out and they filled a large truck with 2.5 tons of food and essentials with the plans to drive it across the border and deliver it to the church. Today, they drove the truck to the border, was cleared through customs, and they made it to the church safely. Hallelujah. Mark and Valerie Zikan in Slakvia, our first guest, they call them guests, 43 women and children have been sent on to Germany where they will feel safer. A member of our church, although a member of our church, although Roma was limited income, she has two rental houses and has offered them to Gyra Project for housing refugees. We are purchasing beds, mattresses, beddings, and necessity household items to make them a semi-permanent place of refuge for women and children. Our vision is to offer semi-permanent housing to those in Slovakia. We are also working with a larger church who has more people and resources. They have the ability to send semi-trucks of food, clothing, medicine, and emergency items into Ukraine. Thank you, church family. This is us all working together as we see. You know, the Bible says, don't forget those that are suffering that might not just be in your own backyard. Amen? So here we're actually supporting Christians and also non-Christians, but we want to support first the family, our church family. Amen? So give yourselves a big hand today. God is good. God is good. Amen.
You ready to get into the Word today? Go ahead and get your Bibles ready. Listen, I'm going to be giving you a story at the end by Smith Wigglesworth. I wanted to get some books by him for our bookstore, and I was able to get a bunch of them at half price. So at the end of service, if you want, how many here have heard of Smith Wigglesworth? And some of you haven't. I mean, I encourage you, grab a couple of his books. That, you know, they're half price for you, but they're a powerful story. Hey, 2020, uh, a good God, a good year. Keep that in front of you because lots of crazy things are happening. It ain't going to get better out there, but it's going to get a lot better in here. Amen? Father, we thank you that as we continue your word, your precious Precious metal, me, precious, oh my goodness, Lord. Hallelujah. This precious word of God, we just thank you for your anointing to break every yoke of bondage, Father. I thank you for your word. It never returns void, but it always accomplishes that which it's sent forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're talking about this, this onslaught, this this battle that was coming against Jehoshaphat and the Jewish people to totally annihilate them. Boy, God is a supernatural God. He's a God of miracles, amen? And we looked at different parts here. Let's read the story first, and then we'll pick up right from there. Everybody there, Second Chronicles chapter 20? It happened after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazion, Tamar, which is in Jedi. It almost sounds like one of, uh, like a Star Wars movie, right? In Jedi. And Jehoshaphat feared, underline that, Jehoshaphat feared. We talked about that two weeks ago. Number two, and he set himself to seek the Lord, underline that. We talked about that last week. And he proclaimed the fast, and we're going to talk about that today, throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So we looked at these first two statements. Number one, and Jehoshaphat fear. We talked about fear is real. Fear comes against our hearts. It comes against our mind. It comes against our bodies. When people just say, oh, just let it go. Don't be afraid. Fear is real. It's a spiritual thing, and it attacks us spiritually. But God has given us the victory over it. Amen? The Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You should memorize that scripture. Ready? Say it with me. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of Amen. Amen. We saw that fear is not from God. That it's spiritual. When it comes against you, know that it is not from God. And to, the way to overcome fear is to do this second part. Are you ready? And he set himself to seek the Lord. You make a decision. I got to break this fear in my life, but I'm too scared to come against it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm too fearful to come against this fear. That's when we need the power of the word of God. Remember, when Jesus fought the devil in the wilderness, he stuck with the word of God. It is written, 
It is written and it is written. Over and over, he used the word of God. There's power in the word of God. The word of God is a two-edged sword. Turn with me to Psalm 34.4. Hold your place there in Chronicles. We're going to come right back. As we seek God, he helps us overcome our fears. This is a scripture that I've used I, hundreds and hundreds of times just speaking it over myself. Ready? Let's read it together before I even say it. I sought the Lord. They sought the Lord. They seeked after God, right? And he heard me, come on, say it with me, and delivered me from all my fears. God has the power to deliver us from all our fears, amen? There's nothing wrong with taking this scripture and use it as a two-edged sword. I sought the Lord. He heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. I am delivered from this fear of heights. I am delivered from this fear of this, this fear of that, something that came against you as a child, something that came against you later in life, whatever it is. I sought the Lord. He heard me, and he delivered me from my fears. Amen? Today, let's continue looking at this amazing story and what Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel did when this attack came to them. All right, you back there in 2 Chronicles? Let's go ahead. And it happened, and I brought out the first week, that things happen. Doesn't mean you're bad. Doesn't mean you sin. Doesn't mean you've messed up. Life happens, amen? Things come against you. They come against me. They come against your family. They come against my family. They happen, and many times they come in like waves, right? All of a sudden, one thing happens, then another thing, then another thing. You know, you have a problem with the car, we get that fixed, the washing machine, and then this, and this, and this, and this. But I brought out that the grace, the favor, the goodness of God comes in waves also. Comes in waves also. Cast your bread upon the water in so many days, it will come back. God's goodness will come back. He'll defeat those things that the enemy brings against you. So it happens, life happens. Verse 2, then some came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude, many things, right, is coming against you. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. Fear comes against us when we hear these things, but we fight that, we resist that, we come against it, amen? Resist the devil, the devil is fear, and he will flee from you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, seeks whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Amen? And now number three, 2 Chronicles verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared, he sought the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. The next thing that he did was he proclaimed a fast. I like to look at fasting today if that's okay. Some of you are saying it's almost noon, Pastor. Not a good time to talk about fasting. Fasting is a powerful spiritual discipline that gets overlooked in our Western culture. And I get an amen. It's not something we talk a lot about, but there are some spiritual principles that I'm going to bring out about fasting today. Fasting has the ability to break strongholds that at times just don't seem to let go. You're praying, you're seeking, a situation's going on, and it just doesn't seem to break. Follow me now. 
Would you turn to Matthew chapter 6? When Jesus talked about fasting, he didn't make it sound like this was something optional for his disciples, for us to do. Watch how he states it here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Everybody okay with this? All right. Verse 16. It's interesting that if you remember this, the Pharisees, some of the people came up to Jesus and they said, hey, why did John's disciples fast and your disciples don't fast? And Jesus said, as long as the bridegroom is here, as long as the wedding party is going on, you don't fast. But when I'm gone, then they will fast. Amen? Now watch how he says it here in Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when you fast, when you fast, doesn't say Moreover, if you feel like fasting, moreover, if it's convenient, he says here, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad continent, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Watch what he says. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Hey, brother, what's up? You seem a little down today. I'm fasting. Oh, wow, you're spiritual, pat on the back. He says, you've had your reward. That's your reward for letting everybody know that you're fasting. But watch what he says here. But when you fast, when I fast, watch what it says. Anoint your head, put some deodorant on, right? Wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your father who is in the secret place, always talks about that secret place, that intimacy with God, that we should have a relationship with God that is son, father, daughter, father type relationship, that we're able to go and seek him. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I talk with my sheep, that he can respond to us. Now, God doesn't always talk with a booming voice. Sometimes he does, but the majority of the time, it's very still. Sometimes it's through a book. Sometimes it's through a preacher. Sometimes it's in your heart. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Everybody know what I'm talking about today? There's that intimacy with God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. And here he says, but when you fast, uh, so that you do not appear to men to be fasted, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and look what he says, and your Father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. What does that mean, reward you openly? I believe it's the answer to the prayer that you're praying. I mean, why are you fasting? Why are you petitioning God? What's going on right now? Now, some of you might be doing fasting for spiritual disciplines. Moody, a great evangelist for Almighty God, he had what was called the, the Moody, uh, excuse me, Wesley, Wesley. He had what was called the Wesleyan fast. And anybody that was in his school learning under him had to do this fast twice a week. And there's what the fast was. They would eat lunch, then they would not eat dinner, they would not eat breakfast, and then they would eat lunch again. And that's a 24-hour fast. And they were required to do that twice a week 
for spiritual disciplines. Amen? A book that I would highly recommend to you on fasting, if you're interested, is the book called Fasting by Jensen Franklin. Some of you might already know the book. All right? Remember this. Fasting doesn't change God. All right? But it has the ability to change us and help us get to victory. Amen? Many times in a fast, we wonder if it's doing anything. Talk to me. All we're thinking about is King's stomach. The groanings, the, the noises it makes. And, and some of you that have fasted know exactly what we're going to say right now. You're thinking about breaking that fast and what you're going to eat when you're done with this thing. Amen? It's amazing how many days go by so quick, but when you're fasting, the hours seem to go real slow. Now, fasting, why don't you turn over Isaiah 58. Fasting to just fast and do your regular lifestyle it is not what he's talking about here. He's talking about a spiritual discipline. In the book, uh, Celebration of Disciplines, one whole chapter is dedicated to fasting, and he explains why it's so important for our bodies. It's actually good for your body also, amen? Now, watch what Isaiah says about a proper fast, the way God wants us to fast. Isaiah 58, 3, everybody there? Why have you fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Hey, God, I'm over here. I could be eating uh, chicken cordon bleu or something, and I'm here fasting. Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. You exploit all your labors. Indeed, you fast, fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day of a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out his, his sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Now watch, now he's going to tell you what he, what he would like in a fast. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. Boy, it talks a lot about forgiveness right there, right? Forgiveness is one of the worst things you could ever have in your life. I don't care what was done to you. You need to forgive. You need to let it go. It will hold you, as he just said here, it'll hold you in wickedness, it'll hold you in heavy burdens, and it will hold you in oppression. In fact, the Bible is as clear as to say in, in Mark eleven twenty five. and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father forgive you. Boy, it's quiet in this church today. Amen? got to deal with that kind of stuff. And maybe if it's that strong in you, you got to fast. You got to let go of some stuff and seek the Lord. Okay, keep going on. And that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread 
with the hungry and that you bring into your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh. So in other words, here's a great thing you could do in fasting. If you're fasting one day, two days, three days, whatever food you would have eaten during that time, take, the fine, take that food and give it to the poor. Give it to the poor. Watch now what happens. Then, if you do those parts, then your light shall break like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Interesting. Maybe some of the things that are being hindered, we need to seek the Lord and maybe put something to the side. Maybe you're sitting there and saying, I can't fast. My, metaz- my metabolism is this, is that. Well, can you fast that dumb phone that's in your hand 24-7? Can you fast that computer for a day or two? Can you fast the things that you love and say, God, I need some answers here. My marriage is going down the toilet. I need some answers. Come on, talk to me, church family. That's when you're getting real with God, when you're saying, I got to do something, Lord, and I need some wisdom. The Bible says if any of us lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally, freely, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, right? So healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. Look at this next line. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. When you study the armor of God, it is fully in the front, right? You got on the breastplate. You got on the, the, your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You got it, your sword. You got the helmet. But your back is wide open. But look what it says here. The glory of the Lord shall be your man. He gives us the armor in the front, and now he protects us in the back. Then you shall call. And the Lord will answer. You shall cry. And he'll say to you, here I am. Boy, that's the way I like to hear God. Amen. I'm praying and I hear, here I am, Tom. Amen. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, look what he's talking about. The speaketh wickedness. That's gossip, guys. I don't gossip. Really record yourself one day. If you extend your soul to the hungry, talks about poor people again, and satisfying the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continuously. Satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not feel. Those from among you, your children, shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the bridge when there's a a gap, right? The restorer of streets to dwell. And all this, when we have a true fast, many people can fast, give up a meal, give up two meals, go around the regular day all day long. No, he's talking about, Lord, It's me and you. It's me and you. I need an answer. I'm staying here until I get it. All right, everybody with me? Now, I saw something recently 
that opened my eyes to maybe why, maybe why we're not seeing more results in the area of healing, church family. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. People say, man, there sure are a lot of people sick. There have always been a lot of people sick. They can build 50 hospitals today and they'll all be filled. Come on, talk to me, church family. Sickness is not from God, amen? And anybody that tells you it is from God, say, would you like mine? I'll, I'll bless you with some of mine, amen? If sickness was from God, why do we fight it so hard? Why do we take medication? Why do we go to doctors? Why do we have operations? Because it's of the devil, and God's a good God. And God has made doctors and chiropractors and eye doctors and ear doctors and on and on to help us with our natural body. But he also has spiritual healing. I'm not talking about spiritual healing. And let me talk to you about when you were three years old and this and that. Stay away from that stuff. Amen? I'm talking about spiritual healing from the Word of God. You ready? All right, let's go on a little journey today, and let's see what the Word says. Is that okay? Yeah. that okay? Yeah. All right. Verse 1. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. So he gave them an anointing to Cast devils out of people, heal sickness, heal disease. This was his apostles, right? Now the name of the 12 are, and you can read them there all the way down till verse 5. Go to verse 5. These 12, Jesus sent them out. He commanded them saying, watch what he says. Do not go to the way of the Gentile. Do not enter the city of Samaria, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Came to the Jews first, right? And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come on, say it with me. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. All right, everybody good with that? Go to Luke chapter 10 now and verse 17. Now, he sent the 12 out, but this is saying he sent 70 out also. So he not only sent out the 12 apostles, he sent out other disciples, right? And let's see what happened here. Then the 70 returned with joy. Why did they have joy? Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. There is something powerful about the name of Jesus, right? And Jesus kind of looked at him and he said, hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. We're looking forward to seeing that ourselves, amen? When he is thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity, the beast and the false prophet and everyone did, that, did not accept the free gift. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice for this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Precious church family, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What should we be doing? Rejoice, hallelujah! 
there is a book up in heaven right now that's got my name on it. And it says, access, come on in. Not denied. But something happened. Go now to Matthew chapter 17. Something happened here that is interesting. Watch this. But there's one time that something happens that it didn't go their way. Remember, they were excited. Lord, even the devils were subject to us by your name. We cast out devils. We healed the sick. Woohoo! But got to read the whole counsel of God's word, right? Verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So it was a suicidal spirit, right? Now watch. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Can you imagine the disciples when they saw this guy walking towards Jesus and they knew they couldn't do what Jesus told them to do? I guarantee the rule. And then he starts telling the story. Lord, your disciples couldn't cast them out. They probably were like, come on, guys, talk to me. All right, verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless, underline the word faithless, because a lot of people say, well, the reason we don't see a lot of miracles is because of a lack of faith. Well, we're going to find something a little different today. Watch and see. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. He came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now watch. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. They didn't come in front of the whole crowd and say, how come you did it and we couldn't? Privately. Maybe when they went for dinner that night, they came up to Jesus and they said, why couldn't we cast that devil out? Is it a fair question? He gave them authority to cast out devils, right? It's a fair question. Why couldn't we cast them out? So Jesus said to them, you should underline this, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith, the size of faith as a mustard seed. A mustard seed is the size of a poppy seed, amen? So you get the drift. He's saying if you have this little bit of faith, you can say to the mountain, move, and the mountain will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Whoa, he just took this in a whole different direction, right? Talked about unbelief here. Well, pastor, what's the difference? You'll see now. You'll see, watch. Read verse 21 with me. However, this kind does not go out except by. So he's saying that prayer and fasting has the ability to deal with unbelief in our lives. Hey, I'll be the first one to stand up here and say, I got unbelief in my life. Mm. Here he didn't say it was because of a lack of faith. But he said, because of your unbelief. And he gives them the remedy or the cure of how to get unbelief out of our lives. It's through fear. I fear. 
faith. It's through prayer and fasting. Now, what's interesting, I asked Diane to find this scripture for me. It's, it's Proverbs 25, 2. Don't, don't turn there because I, I got some. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. What does conceal mean? Aye. But the glory of the king is to search out a matter. When I'm not seeing results, God, even though it says he conceals it, he wants me seeking him so that he can reveal it. Because we're kings of the, we're, we're king's kids, amen? And you might say, well, that's, no, all of life, every, the ant has to, to, to harvest in the summer so he can have in the winter. Every creation of God works for, to get. You want gold, you ain't going to go in your backyard and go, hey, look at them rocks there, they're gold. You're going to have to dig for it, amen? And nowadays, you got to dig a lot. All right, everybody with me? All right. So, I was reading the book by Andrew Warmack, God Wants You Well. And I came across chapter 13 of that book. And I want to read this to you now. So go ahead and put your Bibles down. So I'm going to read a story to you. Is that okay? It's a little long. But boy, when you hear this story, you're going to say, okay, I'm seeing something here. Ready? Everybody ready? All right. Not long after the first time I saw a person raised from the dead, this is chapter 13 of the book, if you want to check up on me, I was excited. I was pumped. I thought, if I could see someone raised from the dead, then I can see blind eyes open, deaf ears healed, people come out of wheelchairs, anything. I was holding a service in Nebraska. On my left, in the front, was a man sitting in a wheelchair. I was so excited. I thought, God, I've seen you raise someone from the dead, so I know this guy is going to be healed. I could hardly wait to get done with my preaching so I could go over and minister to this fellow. As soon as the serv I got finished with my message, I went over to him. I grabbed him by the hand. I declared, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When I yanked him out of his wheelchair, he came up over and fell flat on his face. Since he was paralyzed, he couldn't stand up or catch himself. When that happened, you could hear the gasp and the groans of unbelief and shock from the people, just like you did. This is a story. Can you imagine being there? I was shocked. I felt embarrassed, humiliated. I thought, look what I've done to this, this guy. I embarrassed and humiliated him. It felt terrible. I, so I got down on my hands and knees. I grabbed this guy around his chest. I wrestled him back to his wheelchair. And I said the equivalent of a hey, depart in peace, be warm and fill. Yet I didn't give him what he needed. This man left in his wheelchair. When I returned to my hotel room, I remember asking, God, why did that happen? What confused me was the fact was I knew I had faith. Some people may say, no, if you had faith, he would have been healed. No, 
I had faith. I used my faith as far as I can tell, just the same as I did on the man who was raised from the dead. I had, I had just as much faith. It wasn't that I wasn't believing God. Hey, you don't go and go up to someone, grab at someone, pull them out of a wheelchair unless you're believing that that man's going to walk. I didn't expect that man to fall on his face. I expected him to walk. There was faith present. And because I had faith, I was confused. Why didn't I see the right result? Amen? So I asked God, why wasn't this man healed? It took me about three years for my lightning fast mind to figure this out. The Lord showed me, Andrew, you did have faith, but you also had unbelief. When the people responded in shock and I panicked, that was unbelief. I was more concerned about what others said than I was about what God had to say. Jesus said, how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only? If you have to have other people validate you to feel good about yourself, you're a man pleasing. Worrying about other people's opinion is the fear of man. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is actually faith in the negative direction. I was worried about what people thought of me. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. That unbelief and fear negated my faith. Yes, I had faith, but I also had unbelief. I was still swayed by what people thought about me, and it canceled my faith. God began to reveal this truth to me, while I was reading a book about Smith Wigglesworth. Now, many of you raised your hand that you've heard of Smith Wigglesworth. He was known to be a very rash, a very harsh type of preacher, amen? Remember, this Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber, could not read, gets, gets saved, picks up a Bible, and can read his Bible. Never read his entire life. Supernaturally, he could read. Lester Summerall, who the anointing of Smith went into. Some of you might know him. He's a general that's up with the Lord up in heaven now. He said one day came to Smith's house. He had his newspaper under his arm. He walks, he knocks on the door in London. Hey, Smith, how are you today? And Smith said, get that devil out of my house. Lester said, devil? What devil? That newspaper, that's the devil. He would not even allow a newspaper in his house. He got results. Well, they have about 15 people raised from the dead under his ministry with reports of them being raised from the dead. Got results. All right, let's see. He used to start each meeting. Can you imagine starting a meeting like this? By standing up and proclaiming boldly, whoever gets up here first will be healed of whatever disease you got. You imagine that fight to the front. Then he would minister to that person that got there for, first, see them get healed. This would get everybody's attention, and he would teach how it happened. Afterwards, he would have a prayer line and pray for multitudes of people. A couple of women heard about this. So they were in the front row. They knew his pattern. They popped up right as soon as he made this invit invitation. Between them, they had an elderly friend who was so weak and frail that she hadn't been able to sit up by herself, much less stand. They had to be one lady on one side and the other lady on the other side to hold her up. 
the large tumor she had in her belly made her appear to be nine months pregnant. She was in very bad shape. So at Smith's declaration, the two ladies grabbed her. They struck her up. They stuck her right up on the platform. There these two women were, one on each side of her, holding her up with this huge tumor. Wigglesworth looked at them and said, let her go. At first, the ladies explained to him, we can't let her go. She's too weak and can't stand up on her own. As Wigglesworth was known to do, he yelled at them. I said, let her go. So they did. That woman fell flat on her face on top of that tumor and let out, see, we would know how we'd be reacting, right? And let out a loud groan of pain. The audience gasped, full of shock and unbelief, which was the same response I received when I pulled that man out of the wheelchair. In, his similar, in this similar situation, I had responded with guilt, shame, and fear of what other people thought I was thinking, lawsuit, and all of these other terrible things. How did he respond? He said, pick her up. So they picked this woman up, and once they had her standing again between them, Smith said, let her go. It didn't faze him one bit. He wasn't moved off of his faith. The two women answered him, we will not let her go. We can't let her go. She'll fall. He yelled at them again saying, let her go. So they let her go a second time. A second time, this lady fell on her face on top of that tumor. The people in the audience were shocked. Moans, groans of unbelief rippled through the entire audience. Smith Wigglesworth wasn't phased. He said, pick her up. So they picked her up. Then he said, let her go. These women protested. We will not let her go. He yelled, you let her go. A man in the audience stood up and said, you beast, leave that poor woman alone. Wigglesworth answered, I know my business, you mind your own. Then he turned back to those ladies and he roared, let her go. They let her go. She started to fall and then caught herself. That tumor fell right out of her dress onto the stage and she walked out perfectly healed. The Lord showed me you read, read some of those books. He, he went into a, a funeral parlor one day and they're all looking at him because they knew what kind of guy he was. And he literally grabbed the person and threw him up on the wall and said, live! And the person fell right down dead. Threw him again, live! Fell down dead. I think the, the book says four or five times, but on the fifth time, the person woke up. The Lord showed me that Smith Wigglesworth didn't have any more faith than I had. He didn't get any better results that first time he ministered to this woman than I got when I pulled her out of the wheelchair. She fell flat on her face just as he did. What was the difference? Smith didn't move. Smith didn't have any more faith. He just had less unbelief. He didn't care what people thought about him. In fact, the book said that Smith was often criticized as being harsh and hard 
You know what the word hard means in reference to our emotion? It means cold, insensitive, unfeeling, or unyielding to what other people think. The difference between Smith and me wasn't that he had more faith. He had less sensitivity to people's criticism. He was hardened towards what others thought. He wasn't responding to anybody or anything except what God had told him. I was still too dominated by people's opinion, by my physical realm, and what I could see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. So the difference wasn't that Smith had more faith it was that he had less unbelief. Now, Jesus shows us how to deal with unbelief. He says the way to get rid of it is through prayer and fasting. So I would encourage you, if that there is something that you're having a problem getting the answer to, maybe you need to fast a meal or two and seek the Lord during those times. Let him speak to you. Please, if you have medical issues that prevent you from fasting, fast something that is dear to you. Amen? I mean, you know, think about this. In the, and Paul is talking about marriage and he says, don't deprive yourself. He's talking about sexually there, except for a time of prayer and fasting. He's saying then you separate yourself for that period of time, all right? Be wise, but be open to God wants you to do. And this kind, again, could not come out except by prayer and fasting. Matthew 17, 21. These were the disciples of Jesus that operated with Jesus Christ, but yet there was a demon. They couldn't get an answer to prayer. I don't think they just prayed for this guy one time. They were probably... In Jesus' name, come out, and nothing happened. Now, I'm not telling you to go up to somebody in a wheelchair and pull them out. I'm telling you to grow in your faith. And I'm telling you, if that scares you like it does me, then maybe one of the things we need to do is pray a little bit and fast a little bit and let God do what he wants to do in us. Amen? All right. So now we've hit on three different parts here, church family. We've hit on fear, we've hit on seeking the Lord, and we hit on fasting today. Next week, we're going to wrap this up, which I believe is one of the most glorious parts of this whole story, and that's what they did after they heard from the Lord. All right? So be back at church at the same church time in the chain church building. Amen? God is good. You get something today, church family? All right, let's close in prayer. Maranatha Church family, 2022, good God, a good year. I'd encourage you to get one of his books. We got a, quite a variety of them, and uh, check them out. They're half price for you. I was able to get that. It's a, a way to get to see some of the great men of God. Uh, if you go on um, YouTube and type in God's Generals, they have all these different men of the past and men and women. They'll have Catherine Kuhlman. They'll have McPherson. They'll have Smith Wigglesworth, Cole, other great men and women. They have films of them. Smith Wigglesworth, because it was so long ago, they only have one little clip of him. But you get to see what some of these men and women of God did for the glory of God. And do we have the same faith? I got faith the seed of a, the size of a mustard seed. 
So I want to start seeing better results too. Amen. Father, we thank you for this precious time together. We thank you that you are Lord. You are Lord. We thank you that we're learning. It is the honor of the, king, the Lord to conceal the matter, but it's the king's job to search it out. So we're searching. We're not seeing the results we want, but we're learning. We're learning. We're learning. We saw the disciples that didn't see it. So we know we're in good company, Lord. Lord, to do what Smith did, wow. That's not courage. That, that's not having unbelief, believing that it's going to get done. I thank you for that. As we wrap up the service today, I do ask the most important thing we can do is be born again. You're here today and you have never received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. We'd like to lead you in a little prayer. Eternity is a long time to be wrong. I'd rather listen to my Bible than listen to a bunch of people. Amen? The Bible says you must be born again. It doesn't give an option. You must be. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. Oh, people don't want to talk about that. We're all going to die one day unless the trumpet sounds beforehand. Amen? So if you're here today and you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me and we'll all pray it together to make it easy for you. Say this with me. My dear God in heaven, I believe today that Jesus Christ, he is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross and that he rose on the third day. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I repent of them, Lord. I thank you that today I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen. No one looking around just for a moment. Christians praying softly. If you're making that decision today, I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand. I'm going to tell you why right up front. We like to give you a free gift. There is no charge for it. I am not going to ask you to stand. I am not going to ask you to come to the front. We have altar workers that are around our sanctuary that will bring you this free gift. Our free gift to you. You don't have a Bible. There's a little card in that package. It's either uh, green or yellow. I'm not sure. Take that card to the bookstore and they'll give you a free New Testament. Our gift to you. That's it. That's it. So if you're here today receiving Jesus for the very first time or you're rededicating your life, you're not living for him, you're seeing how crazy things are getting and you want to rededicate your life or you're just not sure yet but you would like this package to help you out then with no one looking around, this is between you Almighty God, myself, and one altar worker that'll bring you this gift. Would you slip your hand up high? Let me see it. After I see it, I'll tell you to put it right back down and they'll bring you this free gift. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I don't know what tomorrow has in store. I know what this moment has in store. Thank you for that hand right here, Judy right here. That's you. Just slip your hand up high. Let them see it. You can go ahead and put your hand down. She's coming. Thank you. That's you. Just slip your hand up. 
Let them see it. They're all around the sanctuary. They're going to come right to you and bring you this free gift. Please, I just feel we are getting so close to the return of the Lord. You don't want to take a chance. You don't want to go through the tribulation. If you want to know what it's like, read Revelation chapter 4 on. It ain't a good scene. We're not there. Before we leave, and the world is left to the misery that it's put itself into. One more time, if that's you, slip your hand up high. Let the altar worker see it, and they'll bring you this free gift. All right, church family, let's give a big hand today. Let's close in prayer. We have a prayer meeting today if you'd like to join us at 1230. Also, 301 is going on in the chapel. If you would like to join that, just go straight out the doors and make, you're making a left and it'll take you right to it. You'll see the signs. Father, we love you and we honor you. And we thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, we're learning. We see people like Smith Wigglesworth. We see people like Catherine Kuhlman operate a totally different totally different than Smith Wigglesworth, but with amazing results, Lord. People in the hallway being healed, hallways, just amazing results, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we want to see results in our church, in our Christian family, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for this day. And now that I've put this seed in my brothers and sisters about fasting, Lord, not just to give up a meal, but to give up a meal and to seek you in that time, to pray during that time, Lord. I thank you for that development within us, Lord, that spiritual discipline. Now, Father, I thank you that you have made us the and not the tail, above only and not beneath, that in all our ways and endeavors that we are greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved, that we are blessed Go be a blessing, church family. I know you are. God bless you. See you Wednesday night online.